Hello and welcome to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator Simon Good. In this episode of the podcast, I'll be looking at the topic of how to say no. It's a very common question when I'm running training in conflict resolution skills. How to say no, set and hold on to boundaries, that kind of thing, is something that a lot of people find challenging. And in part, I think that's to do with them. A lot of us haven't been taught how to deal with conflict. We might not have had very good role models in how to say no ourselves. So of course, we've had to do our best just to figure it out along the way. The other thing though is about the other person. A lot of the challenges with saying no is that we're worried that the other person might react in some way. They might get upset and distressed and worried themselves. They might be angry at us and you know frustrated, maybe even try and get revenge. And so we might be worried about their reaction, but I think as well as that, we're often worried about another consequence. If we say no, then what are they going to do? What will that mean? If we say no to this, then will it set precedent in some other way or create more drama? If we say no to this person, will they be so upset that then they go and do something else and then we'll have another problem to manage? So thinking about how to say no in those three ways, what what tools do you need yourself? Which parts of the other person's reaction are we responsible for? And how can we mitigate those potential consequences that might come along? I think is often a very effective way of preparing to say no, so that when we go into that conversation or we're in that communication, we can do it in a calm and confident way. Before we get into the topic though of how to say no, I just wanted to mention that if you'd like to get in touch, if you've got a question or feedback about the podcast, you can email podcast at Simon Good. It's podcast at S-I-M-O-N for Simon, G-O-O-D-E, so there's an E on the end there, dot com. Uh, I'd really like to hear which parts of this podcast resonate with you. How do you feel about the length and the approach that I take? Would you like to see me do more case studies or are you happy just talking about particular topics around different um, areas related to conflict, I suppose? Thank you so much for watching. A couple of people I know have left a positive review for us. It's incredibly helpful if you would go to iTunes or Spotify and just click on the five-star review if it's helpful for you. It really helps the algorithm know that this is content that's worth sharing with other people. Let's get into the topic. So starting with the individual layer, what should we do or what do we need to know in terms of saying no more effectively? The first thing that you might consider is the way that you communicate, whether it's by email or or phone or in person. The tone or I guess the vibe almost that I'm wanting to set up is calm and confident. So for myself, as I prepare to go into a conversation, I think about how can I portray the impression that I'm calm and confident. So that would be things like standing or sitting upright, being relatively still, limiting your movement. If you're pacing back and forth or tapping a pen on the desk or something, it tends to increase the sense of agitation and maybe even makes you seem a little bit more flustered and worked up. We want to make appropriate levels of eye contact. Generally speaking, it's probably something like 70%, but at the beginning of a meeting, for example, like making eye contact with the person that you're meeting, maybe shaking hands if that's appropriate in the context, taking a few deep breaths before you immediately jump in to speak. These are all things that help us to seem calm and confident. And there's an ironic benefit of this because as we act in a particular way, it tends to send signals to our brain and our body that, you know, there's a threat or that things are relatively safe. So acting in a calm and confident way tends to actually also um, 
activate the right sections of our brain that are responsible for rational thinking as opposed to triggering that fight or flight response. We want to sit an appropriate distance away or stand an appropriate distance away from the other person, usually about one and a half meters or two arms lengths, and we don't want to move towards or away from the other person. Both of those things might trigger an escalation for them. If you're sitting or standing, it doesn't really matter. Often sitting, if you're having difficult conversations, is helpful. But I definitely wouldn't want to be standing over the top of someone and saying no. I think that would probably significantly increase that sense of tension or pressure that they're experiencing. In terms of my voice, the way that I want to speak is slightly lower volume than normal, but still loud enough to be heard. A lower tone and keeping that steady. I don't want to talk like this. I want to talk much more like this. That's not something that I can do. As opposed to that's not something that I can do. And a slower speed. So lower volume, lower tone and slower speed. Those are the three elements that would both help me to seem calm and confident. But it's very helpful in de-escalating the other person too. The language that I use should be simple and clear. Avoiding jargon. Sometimes when we say no, the other person reacts, they might get upset and interrupt us and, you know, explain why we're wrong or this isn't good enough or this is ridiculous or whatever it is. If that happens, the approach that I normally suggest is just to wait. You know, it's probably not going to be effective in interrupting them back and then you might end up just in a yelling match almost. Um, So wait while they speak if they haven't been able to listen Acknowledge what they've said first, even at a reasonably high level, but then resume what you were saying. So I might say something to someone like, look, I appreciate you coming to meet me. I I have received your request for leave and actually that's not something that I can approve. And they might immediately jump in and say, well, we've already booked the flights. What do you mean you're not going to approve it? This is ridiculous. Why have I been singled out? So I would acknowledge that in some way. I might say something like, Okay, look, it sounds like it's not the news that you wanted to hear, and actually it's come as a bit of a surprise. As you've said, there's a few um, possible challenges in there for you. Would it be all right if I explain some of the thinking there, and then we can talk about other options or maybe see if there might be some flexibility on our end? So we acknowledge what they've said, but then basically resume. Look, if it's all right, I'll continue what I was going to say, and then we can circle back to some of those issues that you've raised there. The final thing I just wanted to mention when we're saying no is that once you've said what you need to say, stop talking. (laughs) A lot of people, especially if they're uncomfortable and feeling a little bit flustered, they just tend to blab on and keep speaking. (laughs) Um, It's because, and they add lots of more reasons why, or they almost do a bit of mind reading and guessing what the other person might be thinking or feeling. It will be much more effective for you to just shut up and let them talk. And then once they've let you know how they're thinking or feeling, summarizing or acknowledging or empathizing at that stage. So that's something you almost need to remind yourself is stop talking, close your mouth, let them have a moment to process what you've just said, to experience the emotions that are probably coming up, then to think through the consequences. And all of that will take some time, more more than a few moments sometimes, before you jump in and add any extra information or Almost like poke the opened wound that you've just opened if they're upset about something that you've said already. There are a number of different options that I talk about in training in conflict resolution skills. One of the frames that we can use as we're communicating no is to externalize the request and maybe to externalize the reasons as well. So instead of saying, I'm not going to do that, I might say something like, that's not something that I can do. 
if we've received a request for a refund, for example, from a customer saying something like, look, I'm not able to approve that refund, tends to make it come across as less personal as opposed to, look, I've got your message. We're not going to give you that or I'm not going to approve that. That's not something that I can approve. The focus is on the that, the request. Or I might say something like, I've reviewed your request for refund in accordance with our policy. Unfortunately, it doesn't meet the guidelines. And so I'm not able to approve that at this in this situation. Some good words to use tend to be thank you, afraid, and sorry. I often begin meetings by at least saying something like, look, thank you for taking the time to discuss this, or thank you for agreeing to meet with me today. Um, I'm wanting to, I guess, genuinely acknowledge an effort that they've made or an intention maybe that they have. I might say something like, look, thank you for bearing with me while I reviewed the policy, or um, thank you for your input during the investigation process, something like that. When we're talking about reasons, we want to keep them general and consistent. So a lot of the time you do need to give a reason why, but we want to keep that reason relatively general, especially if we're trying to be assertive. So if we said this, you know, we've been invited to a social event saying something like, I'm so sorry, um, we're not able to make it on that weekend, but thank you so much for including us and I hope you have a wonderful time. So the reason there is that we're not able to make it that weekend. And if they write back something like, you know, this is the third time you've cancelled or something like that, the temptation is to add more information. Well, I've already booked a medical appointment for my son, but what tends to happen there is that we increase the chances of opening a can of worms and getting in an argument. If we end up giving detail about our reason and they don't agree with it, then they'll come back to us and try and enter into a debate. That's not true because of this or whatever. Whereas if we keep the reason general, we can't make it that weekend, then the other person doesn't have a lot to argue against. If a customer has requested a refund, like that example I mentioned just a moment ago, you could say something like, look, in this situation, it falls outside of our refund policy. And if they say, well, that's ridiculous, that's not good enough, this is illegal, I'm going to take you to court or whatever it is, you could just repeat the same reason. Um, look, given the time that's elapsed, it's outside of the policy. Um, sure, I've, look, I've reviewed that refund policy and actually I wanted to make sure that I was giving you the correct information, so I double-checked it. And in this case, it's not something that I could approve, given that, you know, it's not one of the areas that we can provide a refund in or the time that's elapsed since the purchase or whatever the issue is, just constantly referring back to that. Look, sir, I appreciate the level of frustration that you're experiencing there. As you say, you would have thought that this would be a situation where you could get your money back. And as I've explained, given the time that's elapsed since you purchased the item, we can't approve it in this situation. We might use softening statements. This is where we demonstrate empathy. Maybe saying something like, look, I know this isn't what you want to hear, or to you this doesn't make any sense, or... Yeah, I'm, I'm aware that this might create some significant challenges for you on your end. Maybe if our boss has asked us to work and we're saying no, we could say something like, look, no, I'm not able to work that shift. I'm sorry. I'm aware that this probably puts you in a tough spot. Let me know if there's anything else that I can help out or if there's other dates that maybe we could organize to swap someone with. So we're acknowledging that this is a challenge now for our boss who needs to find someone else to work that shift and maybe even being generous in, look, if there are other dates, I'm prepared to look at those, but we're not wanting to open the crack of a 
possibility that they can come back and just repeat the request to us. If we say something like, let me know if you really get stuck though, well, guess what? They're probably not going to put a whole lot of effort in finding other people. They'll immediately come back to you and say, look, I've already asked everyone else. Could you please do it for me? And I know it's going to be tricky for me, but it would really help tricky for you, but it would really help me out or whatever. In situations where we want to be very firm and hold the line, a phrase that I often find helpful is to say, look, it's non-negotiable. If they say, please, if it's your kid asking for a lolly or something like that, extra TV. Um, If it's a friend asking you to come and change your plans to accommodate their request at work, saying something like, look, I'm sorry, it's not negotiable, or I'm sorry, there actually isn't any flexibility in this situation, or I I don't have a lot of flexibility I can offer, I'm sorry. It's non-negotiable, there's no flexibility, I can't be flexible. These are really, I think, respectful but firm ways of saying no. I wouldn't say, I've told you six times or something like that. I'd say, just look again, it's really not negotiable. I know it doesn't make any sense to you, and yes, you've explained the challenges that this puts you in, and on my end, there's really nothing that I can do. The second thing I wanted to mention after going through some of those different tools that we can use ourselves is about the other person, and particularly their reaction. I think a lot of the time people struggle to say no, it's because they're worried about upsetting the other person. Well, the reality is that when we tell people no, they often feel upset. (laughs) And I suppose when I'm coaching people, I sometimes say to them, well, you know, is it okay that they're upset? Let them be angry at you for a little while. Let them be disappointed or worried about the consequences. It's almost like I think sometimes people want to, it's not just people pleasing, like they want to manage other people's emotions at all times. And of course, they would never say that if I said to them, hey, you're the kind of person that likes to manage everyone else's emotions at all times. But then when we look at a case-by-case situation where someone's maybe said no to a friend and they're upset with them, often I say to them, well, I mean, it makes sense why they're upset. You know, they're not aware of your reasons why, or probably they're a bit self-focused in this situation, thinking mainly about themselves. Um, of course they're upset. What did you expect? (laughs) And they'll often say, yeah, I guess so. And I'll say, well, would it be possible for you to let them be upset, at least in the short term? And then maybe down the track, if they're still upset a day or two later, that might be the time to talk about it. The benefit there is that they've also probably calmed down a bit and their rational bit of their brain is back online. Whereas if you push them now and explain why they're being ridiculous or unreasonable or They don't have a right to feel angry at you because, after all, it was just the context that made you act that way. Well, I mean, our desire to correct people in that moment often backfires and they get more angry and upset with us. And unfortunately, that often means that you walk away feeling a lot more stressed or you've got more drama to deal with. So one thing I often say is after you've said no, let the other person have their reaction. You can let them feel a feeling. (laughs) You don't need to correct their emotions. And if there is something that you need to correct or explain or talk through with them, probably after they're over the hump of the highest level of that emotional intensity would be a much better time to do that than jumping in right away after you've said no. So prepare for that. Let them be upset. You've just managed your reaction. You're managing your behavior, what you say and what you do. And you can follow up and address any issues later if, if needed. The final thing that I wanted to mention is 
being aware of the consequences. The extra layer on top of saying no is that there's often a consequence for us and for the other person potentially. So where possible, we can manage this preemptively. If this is part of next steps or there's a process forward, it will be helpful to explain that to the other person. So we might have had a request from our boss that work on this particular shift. We've said, no, that's not a date that we can work. I'm sorry. Or no, we, we can't fill in for that shift in this situation. Or no, I'm sorry, we have other plans. Then we might talk about next steps, though. Look, if there are any other dates, I'd be happy to look at those. Or um, down the track, if it's not a Friday, I'm usually willing to be flexible. Fridays for me, though, just don't work given my family commitments. But we're talking about next steps and shifting the focus to the future. If there's anything else that I can do, please let me know. We might give the other person a choice. Maybe we would say to them, look, I can... Um, work that particular shift, but what it will mean is I would need someone else to relieve me earlier in the week. Um, if that's something that you're able to organize, let me know. I probably need to know by Wednesday so that I've got time to change for the Friday shift coming up. So give them a choice. Look, this is what I need from you. If you can give me a shift off, then I'll work the extra one. And then they've got that sense of power, I guess, back. Or we might say to them, look, We've received that request that you've put in. The answer to that one is no, we're not able to approve that. Um, given that, though, there are these two other options. We can do option A or option B. If you'd like us to um, you know, go down one of those routes or put one of those options in place, please let me know by this date. So we've said no to that original quest, but here are the two other fallback options, I guess, that the other person might be willing to accept. But we position it as a choice. I don't say to them, look, that's a no, but what we can do is this. They might still be upset about that original no, and so there's probably not a lot of buy-in or engagement with the fallback option that we present. Doing it as a choice is usually much more effective. And in a situation where we're worried that the other person's so upset that they're going to do something, like maybe they're going to get back at us and get revenge, or you know, maybe we're worried the other person's so upset that they're going to leave the job site that you're working on and go home for the day or something, we can outline the consequences of that future behavior if needed. So I might say, look, I know you're upset and you might need some time to process it. You know, you've even mentioned that you're so angry that you might decide to leave. I just want to be clear with you that if you do leave today, that you'll only be paid for the hours that you're at work. So being clear with those consequences, and then you might even highlight the more positive option too. Uh, if you can find a way to stay and get through the rest of the work for today, then of course you'd receive your full payslip like normal. I usually tend to focus on the positive option second because it has the most prevalence in their memory and attention. So we've gone a few through a few of those different individual tools, being calm and confident, how we can do that, some of the tools that we can use, like externalizing, using those words, thank you, afraid, sorry, how we can talk about reasons and even softening statements of empathy, being aware of and almost allowing for the other person's reaction and then managing some of those future consequences as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you. Again, if you've got feedback or a question that you'd like me to talk about, a topic for a future podcast, you can email podcast at simongood.com. Otherwise, all the best saying no in the different conflict situations that you will no doubt experience over the coming weeks and uh, you know days and weeks, that kind of thing. All the best. Bye for now.